welcome to Guest in the Homes, where we interview scholars and those with connections to the homes to gain insight into the Klein family and the historical context of the homes. I'm Karen Thaliker. I'm Andrew Newell. Thank you for joining us for Guest in the Homes. What would it have been like to visit the homes or stay overnight there? What if Reverend Klein was your grandpa and announced your visits in the newsletter? Or how about in March of 1933, having your very own letter published in the newsletter? Here's what the letter said. We want to show you that we care and want to share our Christmas joy with you. We are sending you $2. Signed, Barbara and Curtis Wiest. We're very fortunate today to have a guest whose name was affixed to that letter and who can tell us what it was like to be a guest in the homes. Andy and I would like to welcome our guest, Barbara Wiest Fritchell, who's joining us by phone. She's the daughter of Carl and Sammy. Sammy was the client's oldest child, and Sammy was my grandma Erna's sister. So that makes Barb and my dad first cousins. The newsletter often mentioned Barb and her brother, Kurt, visiting their grandparents at the homes. Welcome, Barb. Hi, Barb. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Andy and Karen. It's uh, great to be here with you, even if it's just by phone. So, Barb, for the first few years of your lives, your grandparents, Reverend and Mrs. Klein, lived at the Lutheran homes. How often were you able to visit them? Definitely every summer. Um, My brother and I and mom... If mom, um, I think my mother probably drove us up there, and she would stay maybe a day or so. And if we were old enough, I don't remember at what age she felt we were old enough to stay there without her, um, we would stay a, a week at least then. Uh, so we every every summer. And I remember several Christmases that we were also at the homes. The Christmas celebrations and your visiting there are often mentioned in the newsletter. We have one from Christmas of 1938 where it says, Two of the writer's grandchildren were with us a few days and over Christmas. They were Curtis and Barbara Wiest, who wanted to know how such a large family as ours would celebrate this glorious occasion. They were amazed when they saw all the nice toys and garments the children received. So they said, The people who send these gifts certainly must love the orphan children. So Christmas at the homes must have been quite something. It was. Um, They had, of course, Christmas programs uh, in the chapel, um, both the boys and the girls. You know, Grandpa uh, Klein preached twice every Sunday in German for the old folks and then again in English for the boys and the girls. I don't remember if everyone was required to go, but it seemed like it. I think I think everybody just went to church. So, uh, you know, Christmas programs, too. I'm sure the older folks came and watched the, as they say, the little ones, the, the children put on their Christmas programs. Um, that isn't as clear to me as I was really impressed with all the toys and all the clothing that the kids got. It was, yes, people really did uh, turn out. During this time, of course, this was still part of the Depression, and people did not have funds for a lot of things, but they seemed to always 
be able to come up with something wonderful for the kids. What exactly do you remember about your grandpa Klein? Anything about how he looked or uh, how he spoke? Do you remember him speaking German with you? Uh, he didn't speak German to Kurt and me as much as um, we always we when when Kurt and I were staying with uh, Grandpa and Grandma. Of course, we always had the evening meal with them down in the. Um, dining room with all the old folks, and Andacht was uh, at the end of every meal, and uh, Tracy and Agnes, the Fikincher girls, I think it was Tracy who played the pump organ. Everybody sang, everything was in German, and everyone sang, and uh, Grandpa would give his devotion, and uh, that was a, a, just an evening an evening final, you know, before the old folks went up to their rooms to go to bed. So, yes, always in German. And if you want to know something special, Grandpa always got some kind of a special dish from Miss Heppy in the kitchen. I mean, you know, every, everybody, there was no choice, of course. This is, this is the meal that's served tonight, you know, or every time. But Grandpa always got one dish or two that were special just for him. So he was <laughs> he was babied, shall we say. So uh, what do you remember about Grandma Klein? She was an angel to everybody there. She absolutely was. The, the one thing that, that kind of frightened me and surprised me was uh, she, she did um, diabetes injections for one boy who came, uh, I think it must have been every day he came over to their, to Grandpa and Grandma's apartment, and uh, she would give him a, a diabetes shot, you know, an insulin shot. Well, Grandma was not a nurse, you know, but she did everything for the old folks, cut toenails. She always was um, the caregiver. I mean, it was, uh, my husband said, Yep, when they hired Grandpa Klein, they got a two-for-one because Grandma was just as, if not more important even than the superintendent of the homes. She she just, she did everything for the old folks. It must have been exhausting. I, I think it was, but I think she just got completely worn out and had to take maybe a month off in, in bed. This is, I heard this all really only a, a few years ago, I find I, I heard about that because she was just constantly on the go, helping, working uh, with. And I think too, even Miss Happy down in the in the kitchen, um, the workers there were workers who helped her, and some of the guests, as you would call it, uh, were allowed to go in and you know peel potatoes and and. Um, just do anything that Miss Happy needed to have done for to get a meal ready. And of course, in this day and age, no one would be allowed in the kitchen mm-hmm. <laughs> if you were in a in a home situation like that. It, it's hard to imagine feeding a hundred children, fifty old folks, and all those workers. Just just feeding them on yeah. a day to day basis would be a, a, just a gigantic undertaking. 
and believe me, the meal was the big thing. I mean, that's what people looked looked for every day. They were anxious to to see. Oh, it's just about meal time. And there was one gentleman who would come down probably a half an hour before the doors would be opened to the uh, dining room, and he came and sat outside the door until, all right, it's time. They opened the doors, and he rushed into it, and they all had, they went to the same table each. I think they had a table that they always went to, each person. So (laughs) I don't know how, I don't know how they fed them. You know, there was a, um, what what do you call it, Um, a dumb waiter at the side that you pulled a rope, and then things would come up from the kitchen, which was right below the dining room. Grandpa and Grandma's table was really big because uh, I, I bet there were always 10 people or so at that table. Barb, what do you remember about the buildings and the structures there on, on the Holmes's campus? Do you remember anything about the, the dormitories? Yes. Um, the boys' house was, I think that was the former Hershey Mansion, really, the, the boys' house. Um, and that was, if you face the buildings, that would be on the the far left side. The old folks' home was in the center, and it had a big porch all the way around uh, on each story. I think there were, well, it, there had to be, there were a lot of steps going up to the first floor, which had Grandpa's office, the so-called living room where I suppose he met people. There was a a little um, extra room across the hall that had the player piano in it. All you did was pump it and it would be put in the rollers. (laughs) And so that was fun. And then if you went further down the hall, that's where the uh, dining room was for the um, older people. And um, if you, you went back downstairs where the kitchen was and walked to your, well, if you're facing again to the right, it's the girls' home. And that was the really the newest building on the campus. And uh, the boys and the girls ate together in the evening in, in that newer kitchen, or newer dining, sorry, um, <clears throat> that was in the girls' house. And then the girls dormitory bit, you know, where their beds and such were, were upstairs above the, their dining room. There was a, what they called a gym, and that was at, at one far end of the building, at the girls' building, and that's where the little kids, if you were, uh, I have no idea ages of this, but, you know, they had probably two, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, they, they played. They got to play in the gym, um, and big girls who were probably hmm, second, third, fourth grade, they were the babysitters. They went uh, over every day and, and played with the little kids in the gym. It was just a big, a big, big room with uh, windows way up high. I remember it very well because um, I spent a lot of time with my girlfriend, Betty, uh, babysitting over there. I mean, we were we were probably all of in fourth or fifth grade by then. <laughs> so that was 
but but um, that was that was all on that floor, and then upstairs were the the dorm rooms where the girls had all their beds in a row, and and uh, uh, they had everyone had a locker. I got to stay one time, and I'm sure that's the only time I ever got to do that. I got to sleep over with uh, with Betty, and I'm sure they moved one of the girls out of their out of her her bed so that I could have a, a bed beside Betty and stay overnight there. And I thought, boy, this is really fun. Do you um, did you know at the time? or learn later why Betty was there, or whatever happened to Betty? Uh, I don't know what happened to her. Um, but I asked I asked Grandpa and Grandma once, why aren't these kids adopted? Why didn't they get adopted? And he, Grandpa and Grandma both said, they have parents. It's, this is the Depression. They, their parents couldn't afford to keep them. And so they're here... Um, because the, their parents can't take care of them. They can't afford to take care of them. And they're not, they're not adoptable. I mean, they're not up for adoption. Their parents are hoping that when things get better, as you know, as the world turned a bit, um, then they would back and be at home with their parents. But So they were all age groups. But I do know that um, by the time you were, I think, 18, you had you did have to go out on your own. With the people that worked there, did most of them actually live on site? Or did they live somewhere else in Muscatine and just come there for the day? And did it seem like just a big home? Or do you think it seemed more like a institution? They, they lived there. They each had rooms. And I don't think, I don't think they had to share. As, as I recall, one had a room of their own. Because um, my brother and I, when we were really little, uh, we loved to go and visit certain ones of them. One of them, he, he, I just remember his name was Mr. Music. And Mr. Music had very, very bushy eyebrows. And every time we would go, he'd say, do you want a penny? And we'd, yes. And he'd reach into his eyebrows and, <laughs> you know, pull out a penny. <laughs> so we we got a penny from Mr. Music when we went in to visit him. And we thought he was a ma- magician of some sort, you know. It was... Somehow he had the pennies concealed in his hand, and he pulled them out of his bushy eyebrows. So we loved visiting him. It's my understanding that Grandma Klein had a friend from her childhood uh, named Martha Witzke who came to live and work at the homes. Did you have an opportunity to get to know Martha? I certainly did. She was called Little Martha. She, I think, had some kind of a back injury or something, and that's why she was uh, small. And um, all of the people, she did, she did work at the home. And, of course, the workers must have gotten some kind of small pay. I don't know. But they, uh, 
the other thing I remember about the workers was they they had these very wide um, soft things that they cleaned the floors with, and my brother and I would get to ride on there if we we would get on the broom and they would push us up and down the hall as they cleaned the halls. But this, of course, when we were really little, like maybe two year olds or three year olds at the most. Barb, do you remember uh, your mom ever talking about their uh, former life in North Dakota? Or do you have any stories from that time that stick out in your memory? Um, Only what mom told me. She told me quite a few stories from there. But most of them uh, were because all the kids, grandpa was not only the uh, confirmation teacher, but he also was the school teacher because they didn't have schools. Uh, that the kids could go to. And the kids came and lived at the parsonage with uh, with Grandpa and Grandma. And uh, boys, the boys usually slept out in the barn, even in the in the uh, winter. And the girls uh, had, must have been a really big room upstairs. And Mom said she, she was just a little kid, and uh, she she slept in the middle so that she would, kept warm by the big girls who came there and grandpa conducted um, uh, regular school uh, sessions and also the confirmation sessions around the big table and my mom said when she was little she was she was just crawling around but she said she she had heard these same questions that grandpa would be asking everything was in German and he would be asking the kids all these questions, and she heard them over and over and over because she was crawling around under the table. And some of them were a little uh, slow in answering, and so she'd pipe up with the answer, and Grandpa was, shh, shh, you know, no. <laughs> they have to answer it themselves. So that, that was the one thing that... Uh, I remember very well. Um, I have a question for you about your mom's roommate at Wartburg, mm-hmm. Olga. As the story goes, um, Reverend Klein had turned down the people in Muscatine. He was going to stay up in North Dakota. But then your mom's roommate, Olga, as it turns out, was a orphan from Muscatine. And so uh, he was moved by her story and the Klein's at your mother's urging, went to Muscatine. Did you ever get a chance to meet Olga? Oh, yeah. Yes. She, as I say, she and her husband, Bill, came every, maybe not every summer when we lived in Dysert, but <clears throat> I remember very well. They would come and spend a weekend with uh, Mom and Dad and us, uh, Kurt and me, um, and uh it was just, I mean, they, they were really close friends. How do you think uh, the Klein's experience at the Muscatine Homes has influenced your family? We were made very aware of the fact that we were very fortunate to have a mom and a dad and food on the table and uh, beds to sleep in in a real house because... All of these children were there because their parents couldn't couldn't keep them at their home, and so um, it, it, I'm sure it in, influenced a lot. 
On our Instagram page for the podcast, which is called Life at the Homes, we are going to post some photos of the entire Klein family, including you, Barb, and your brother, Kurt, as most adorable children, and uh, pictures of my dad, Bill, and his sister, Ruth, there, and then uh, some of the other cousins. So we urge people to check out Life at the Homes on Instagram if you want to see just absolutely how adorable Barb was when she was little. Do you want to hear the one bad thing that I remember so much? Sure. All right. This was... Um, I, I was probably in maybe about third grade, very smart alecky over at the, playing with my friends over at the girl's house. And grandpa had told Kurt and me that the orphans were going to get to go to the fair, uh, which was down in downtown Muscatine. And he said, but don't tell anyone yet because it's, they're not supposed to know yet about that, that that they're going to be going to that. So we said, no, we won't tell. Well, I went over to play with my friend Betty, and I was being very smart-alecky, and I just said, I'm going to wear stick and rouge when, when we go to the fair. And Betty said right away, oh, do we get to go to the fair? And I clapped my hand over my mouth, and that did it. I mean, it just immediately, all the girls said, oh, we're going to the fair, we're going to the fair. Well, of course, Grandpa Klein heard about that, and he said, all right, you were not supposed to, you were not supposed to say anything about going to the fair. And since you told I said, but I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to tell. I just, you know, it was an accident. Uh-huh. Well, I didn't get to go to the fair. Everyone else did. Every other kid, my brother, everyone. And I had to stay home and sit on the porch with the old ladies and grandma. And they all felt so sorry for me because we could hear the music from the fair, you know, uh, from a distance, a great distance, but we could hear it. And the kids got to ride on like Ferris wheels and everything. And there I sat on the porch and felt, all all the ladies, old ladies felt sorry for me. And I sure felt sorry for myself too. I love that Grandpa story. Would, <laughs> he, he would not, and he would not change his mind. Nope. Nope. You, I told you, you shouldn't tell. And so you're not going to go. I would say you probably learned your lesson. Boy, did I. (laughs) (laughs) Barb, this has been just amazing. I've loved hearing all the stories. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Well, I'm more than happy to to, uh, tell you. I I mean, as I say, we had so many wonderful movies there. And I think because we went so often, um, we... We were f- more fortunate than the other grandchildren. It was just that uh, and we kids, both of us, just wanted, you know, begged to go all the time. And Grandpa and Grandma didn't seem to mind that uh, if Grandpa, the only time that Grandpa told us to uh, behave a little bit better was uh, he always took, as he said, a sh- short nap. He would have his cigar 
smoke his cigar after lunch, take a short nap, and if Kurt and I were running around too too much, making too much noise, we heard the psh, psh. <laughs> so we we had to calm down and uh, you know take it easy. But uh, and Grandma, I don't think ever got to take naps, but Grandpa always did every day after lunch. Well, Barb, thank you so much again for joining us. It is it's been truly delightful to hear all of these fun and sometimes a, a little bit sad of stories but and i enjoyed it too thanks so much andy and karen bye-bye